I was very honored in a sense because he, uh, you know, he said all those great things about me on Tucker Carlson. Uh, he made some statements, rough statements uh, on Jewish. You, you heard them and you know them well. Yes. And uh, they're saying that that was the reason. Uh, so then you ask, well, would it have been the same thing if he didn't say all those good things about Trump? You know, you just don't know. Welcome to Media Roots Radio. This is Abby Martin. This is Robbie Martin. Long Welcome time back, no, long time no chat, my friend. Yeah, and my brother. Yeah, we thought we thought you weren't coming back. We my thought... brother in Christ. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was uh, I was starting to get, <laughs> I was starting to get a little bit um, existentially worried that I just. Uh, that people were not wanting to hear my voice this much, um, you know, for just a month straight. But uh, so it's a relief to have you back for that reason. It's also just awesome to have you back. So I'm just super Thank excited so to do, it, do this with you, as I always Yeah, it's a, it is going to be a fun topic today and quite, I mean, it's a fun, fun as possible on a really depressing subject, of course, as, as we always talk about, but, um, we'll try to make it as light and fun as possible. But yeah, I mean, for those who haven't which been one? following us, there's at, so many depressing I mean, subjects. Yeah. Jesus Christ, I mean, which... basically I'm talking about the midterms, which is like oh. the most like shit thing you could ever like really analyze. But I mean, I think there's some really fascinating takeaways from just how surreal, you know, reality is getting politically in this country. But for those who weren't following Empire Files for the last few weeks to understand where I've been. Um, a lot has been going on with Earth's Greatest Enemy. We were in Okinawa and Guam. Guam, one of the last colonies on Earth, just straight up owned territory across the planet. A lot of people think Guam is on the periphery of the United States. It is absolutely not. It is like an, a 15-hour airplane ride on, off the coast of Australia. So it's extremely far away. It's basically a sacrifice zone. It's basically used as a sacrifice zone by the U.S. military to wedge itself, um, you know, in the impending war with China. It's been used for, obviously, decades for this purpose throughout all of the major wars. But very depressing, very depressing place. Um, Okinawa was absolutely incredible, surreal to be there, considering that, Learning about Okinawa and the U.S. military occupation of Okinawa is kind of what jump-started my entire interest in U.S. imperialism and, like, understanding what the role and nature of the United States was and, and how my country was really an empire. Reading Chalmers Johnson's book Blowback when I was a freshman in college really awakened me to the true nature of the United States empire. And there was a whole chapter on Okinawa, and it just completely blew my mind that this place was just destroyed and ravaged by the U.S. military, that it was essentially owned. Um, going there and documenting the incredible continued struggle by the Okinawan people against both the United States military and Jap Japan, because Okinawans consider themselves basically indigenous, um, was just an absolutely mind-blowing experience we were there with you know people were doing civil disobedience actions um risking arrest basically blocking trucks um they they they've been doing this like every single day for the past 10 years just blocking trucks um bringing 
construction equipment and concrete in to build this giant marine base. So check out um, our Empire Files podcast. We did one breaking down the two trips about, you know, the context of why those two regions are so important for the film and just how disturbing it is, you know, the legacy of U.S. militarism there and how much it just holds these people hostage. Um, Two completely different things though going on you know guam is more like uh, subservient to the u.s for obvious reasons because it kind of relies on the u.s for a lot but okinawa is just really charting its own path in terms of like resiliency and and struggle and it and it's been doing that for decades um and the fight lives on definitely so we we had a really great time there but that's where i was robbie i mean we were there for two weeks um and then I had a crazy ass court case that I was a part of that I definitely want to talk about in a later episode if we can get a good guest on it. I won't belabor that too much, but um, I was basically just in court <laughs> for two other weeks of the month. Um, I was pretty unplugged from the news, but uh, it was very bizarre what was going on. I mean, the Kanye West shit, um, Ukraine war just seems to be getting more and more abstract in terms of like knowing anything tangible on the ground. And then of course the midterms just kind of pop up, you know, Halloween and then the midterms and it's just so fucking crazy, you know, both sides and, and the narrative and, you know, before and after these elections. But I guess before we get into that, um, do you have anything to say about like the Kanye thing? I do, yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll keep it brief though because that that could take up a whole podcast. It's just so yeah. Wild, no, I know we I know I'll, we wanted to do one on it, but it's almost just like what it's like. Too I don't many even things know. to talk about. I know, but I mean, I did so want to mention insane. really quick for people who might have missed it. I did do an episode all about Ukraine. Uh, it was about two hours last month. Oh, um, cool! And it's it's for Patreon scri- subscribers right now. Um, was it about the pipeline? No, I did that. That was oh, one did I did the previous one. month. So, Jesus. Yeah, that. So you've been sort of busy working on your doc for a while. In the last, so the, basically the last two times we talked about Ukraine mm-hmm. on the podcast, you it was just me by myself. But the the only reason I wanted to just mention that for people now, if you missed that, go back and listen to that. But I mean, there's so many strange things happening with just the political climate here surrounding uh, the Ukraine you know, the, the Russia US proxy war. And that's kind of what I spent half the time covering is like how, you know, this whole notion we've been hearing now be for several months that it's like the right is the only, you know, is anti-war now. And, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene, we need to celebrate her, her no vote and stuff. I mean, it is, it is really depressing how the Democrats did actually seem to be ready to uh, send a message messaging out that was like very reasonable sounding. It was basically just saying that the we, letter, yeah, we should not unconditionally give million, you know, billions of dollars to Ukraine with no actual like exit strategy, like off ramp for diplomacy in, as a conditional. And that's all it said, which is, I mean, I think it's pretty on its face. It's pretty reasonable, but yet they, they and 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 what was strange? I don't know if you saw their actual press release saying we didn't want to release this letter. It got like released by like a staffer. Did you see that? 
Well, yeah, I mean, apparently this is what's so strange about it. Code Pink was working behind the scenes with Priyana, what is their name, Jay Paul, and then like a lot of other members of the Progressive Caucus. And it was heralded as like this giant win, right, for for the peace movement and finally getting the Progressive Caucus to stand behind some sort of call or advocacy for negotiations. And then all these people came out said, yeah, said like, it, we didn't mean to release this or that we signed this six months ago. And like now yeah, the climate on the ground is so different. Like how could we possibly support this now? It's just like, what is going on? I mean, at the end of the day, almost everyone retracted it. Um, Jay Paul like apologized and, and took the blame. And then Ro Khanna, I think, was the only guy at the end of the day that was like, I stand by this. I mean, it's just an absolute embarrassment all around. And and what I thought one of the most crazy things about it and very telling things that I just think sort of reveals a lot about what's going on right now is this idea that people do not want to be associated with the right. The right has become so toxic and so like Trumpian, QAnon-y that basically half of the letter was saying that, and I'm paraphrasing it here, but she starts out by saying that we, you know, this was written in May. We, we didn't mean to release it now. The situation on the ground has changed. And then the other half of the letter is like, and the Republicans are the ones like egregiously like being like pro-Putin right now. And then it basically goes on to say that like they did not want to make any, they did not want anybody to mistake their, them or their no views on way. this with Republicans. It fucking like it. That's and, and I was reading it that thinking, so crazy. This is really wild because this used to be almost like the internal strategizing that they would discuss behind the scenes, but to literally see something like this written in a letter about why they reneged on something that so many people like you and me would actually be like, yes, the Democrats finally did something to make some kind of signal about this. I mean, it's, it's just utterly shocking. I, I, it's hard to like process that, that that was in writing. It is hard to process that. It's hard to process that they are just giving credibility to the notion that only Republicans are advocating that too. this sort of yeah. conversation and diplomacy strategy. It's insulting and it's offensive, especially when you see people like Ilhan Omar coming out when the war started saying, why are we just having zero oversight on tens yeah. of millions of dollars going to Ukraine? I mean, what changed? What the fuck is going on? Why is it so hard to just speak the obvious when even you just saw Biden pursuing uh, some sort Finally. of path to negotiations. Yeah. I mean, so what What exactly is so controversial about this? Like, I, what's crazy to gun? me, I mean, maybe what's crazy to me is didn't they know that, that they would get a lot of flack from like the Warhawk blob? I'm sure that they did, but what's strange, Abby, is it did almost seem like, it, I almost am willing to believe that someone did release it without like everyone's permission. Maybe they had signed off on this and then they waited on it, sat on it. And then it did get like released too early. Maybe. I mean, cause if Biden was ready or Biden starting to oh, talk right, diplomacy right. now, maybe like the white house was like, you can't like, you are not supposed to do this. Like you, you fucked up like, or I, I mean, I don't really know, it, but it does seem like, because otherwise, yeah, why would, why would they like renege on it so hard now? And then also what they're asking for is not the same as Republicans. So in the letter, I was in, I was, I thought it was interesting that they didn't be like, 
here's why our position is vastly different from the Republicans. They're just like, no, this is not the right position to have right now. That was our in our mind like six months ago. We don't agree with that anymore. And we don't want to be confused with the Republicans. But it, that's an opportunity to be like, actually, our position is not that this is just not putting America first. You know, because like, what else do Republicans have to say about why they oppose this? I was in, in the last podcast, I was going through all the members of Congress who are Republican who voted against it. There's no letter from them. There's no like statement from them collectively being like, here's why we oppose this. It's it really does just seem like it is just pandering to their base in some way with no real backing behind it. So in a way, it's almost like pathetic that the they're voting no, but they have no energy to like t- like push a certain narrative about this. They're not even really bothering to or explaining it. And then the Democrats like renege on a position that articulates something that you know the Republicans should be able to get on board with too. Like. I mean, I don't know, but get, but Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene are some of these people who voted no. So, like, what kind of cons- you know what kind of bipartisan reaching across the aisle are we going to expect to happen right now? Out of all those people, probably Thomas Massey might, might be the only one who's not crazy enough. But then, like, he posts like pictures of all of his family sitting down with like machine guns. I mean, it's just so it's like everybody's. It's like how is this, how is crossing the you know going across the aisle even going to happen? on something like this at this point. It just, it's It's so polarized. That's the problem. And people have been repelled by even the most sane, rational stance on this, which is just pursuing a path to peace and using the U S as a strategic, like diplomatic negotiating partner in this, that it should be. And instead it's just been so politicized and, deeply partisan to the point where if you just talk about these things then you're just a Republican sympathizer or Putin puppet. It's it's outrageous. It's disgusting. And it's embarrassing all around, honestly. It was a very embarrassing moment that, that they did that. Um, and, if the, and if it was because they were jumping the gun for Biden, then couldn't they have said something less offensive about how the letter like was echoing what the Republicans were saying and that was too much? You would think, I mean, or you would also think that some of these people individually would come out and be like, here's why, here's what I actually think. Like, well, Rokana did. But I'm, yeah, but, but like yeah, more but than him. Yeah, that was the only one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, right. it seems strange to me that they would all be sort of operating under this like consensus messaging and none of them have really spoken out, you know, in a way that is at least saying like, let's figure out how to end this thing. Like immediate, like we can't just let keep giving weapons, you know. I mean, it, it's it is it's it's dark. Um, it is, it is. It's very dark. Before we jump into the midterm stuff, let's talk about Kanye because it. What I find interesting about his downward spiral and his allegiance to someone like Candace Owens, who do not forget, he is the one who legitimized her and actually jump-started her entire career. I remember when Candace Owens came out because I was following fringe right-wing politics and she was nobody. Very obscure when he... that And that was the very first moment when I think that... Had it been revealed before that he was... That Kanye was going right-wing? Oh, yeah, I, it had. It I think had, it but, had, but not yeah. like to that... Extreme. I just remember what it was, but keep going. Sorry. No, no, no. Tell what was it? What what it was was he did a rant at one of his concerts during the 2016 election about how he's not going to vote for Hillary Clinton, 
And then he went really rambly. Like that was like the beginning of him starting to do these really rambly long um, intermissions in between his songs that people actually at his concerts like started to get really upset by. Because it was just like, we're here to see Kanye perform. And he would just like start rambling. And some of the stuff he said insinuated like that Hillary Clinton, he was basically like already absorbing right-wing talking points. And Mm -hmm. I remember, this is what I remember happening at the time. And I never saw anything confirming this, but it became a prominent Pizzagate uh, narrative that Kanye brought up Pizzagate at one of those, during one of those rants. Why? What did he say? Well, I mean, according to the rumor, he said something about how Hillary Clinton was like a child buster. <laughs> but the, I mean, not a surprise. This <laughs> rant of his never actually happened. He was doing saying crazy things, and saying he wasn't voting for Hillary Clinton, which is not crazy. But he was also just kind of rambling in a crazy way. But he never actually said that. It just sort of got really big online. It was like Kanye said this at his during his last <laughs> ramble. Oh um, my God, man. So in a weird way, maybe it's like a snake eating its own tail. Maybe he checked out Pizzagate after that. And then that, then the rest is history. I mean, I don't know if that had any effect. Yeah. But well, by the way, on a, a quick aside note, did you, uh, did you see that weird clip of Mariah Carey in between one of her songs, like performing in New York where she was like, 9-11. She's like, you guys don't want to hear the truth about 9-11. No way. And people were like, what? what? Like in the Wait. audience. Yeah, no. Was, was this really recently? Crazy. Uh, yeah, relatively oh. recently. Yeah. Can we please yeah. get her on Media Roots Radio? <laughs> Mariah, Mariah, if you're Carey, listening. <laughs> I want to talk about Nick Cannon <laughs> and that weird turban he always wears and what she believes about 9-11. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'll never forget when Kanye boosted Candace Owens and it was just like a, a dagger to the heart because I knew what was coming. Not because I gave a fuck about Kanye West or respected him in any way, but I knew that him endorsing her would shoot her to like the top, you know, and, and it certainly did. And now she is extremely wealthy. She is very powerful. She has a huge, she wields a huge amount of influence. Kanye, in fact, just like bought that company that I think her husband runs like, so she's, who knows? She's a multimillionaire now. Well, I was just going to say Kanye was money. Kanye was, and I don't know if he's done it yet, but he was moving to buy parlor so it makes you wonder if they they were already there was already some kind of business. Wait, is that her company? No, it's her husband's company. Oh, that's what I Yeah, no, yeah, he yeah. did. He did. He did. Okay, so yeah. It, it does make you wonder how far back does this business relationship go and was he already like friends with her husband before this? Like No. I I think that he just is such a lackey that he's so stupid that Candace Owens just is engineering all of this shit for him and, ba- and and just convinced him to buy this company. I mean, it seems it seems like that because the more I'm reading about it, the more it seems like people around him are like Candace Owens is like directing his entire media spectacle. She like tells him what to do every day. Um I mean, yeah, it could it could be. It really could be that sad. I mean, I mean it's so crazy. There's so much to say there like from him, from the White Lives Matter shirts and her, it's all just a big stunt for her movie that's allegedly exposing Black Lives Matter, even though we all know that Black Lives Matter, the national organization is total trash and has no, you know, that bears no reflection on like the decentralized orgs that are affiliated with actual like yeah. good activism on the ground. It's like, yeah, there was a couple people who took all the fucking money and ran 
And that's super fucked up. But her whole documentary is not only trying to paint all of Black Lives Matter as like a giant fraud, but then the thesis is that George Floyd himself is like, you know, died from the fentanyl or whatever and not the knee to the neck, which was totally disproven in the trial. And it's so grotesque to see someone like Kanye West come out and echo that. And and in a weird Trumpian way, didn't he bring... Um, Who's Brandy's brother? The guy who was in the sex tape with Kim Kardashian? Oh, I don't know. He brought whoever f- fucked Kim Kardashian in the f- in the sex tape that made her famous. He brought her to Candace Owens's like premiere. It was what? like Kanye and that guy. What the hell? Yeah, no, the whole thing and it was so strange. And then Kid Rock was there. It was just like, what is going on? I mean, the whole thing is just so strange. And then Kanye goes and hands out all the shirts to the homeless people and Skid Row. With an, with an actual rapist guy who's raped, like, 20 women. 20 women have come out and said that his friend and, like, one of the designers for Kanye's brand has raped them. Shit is just so off the wall. But I think the, the larger point that I wanted to make about him is that everyone apologizes for this behavior almost by being like, oh, well, he's bipolar and he's mentally ill. How is, like, how is that actually an excuse You know, like you would never really say that about anyone. It's like kind of like infantilizing. Like, oh, Kanye is just, he's just mentally ill. Like, that's why he's doing this. It's like, I don't care if you're mentally ill or not. Like, you're a conservative psycho, but you're like a (laughs) right-wing psycho who's choosing to do all this shit. It's like, there's plenty of mentally ill people who don't do this. So, I mean, it's really a strange kind of evolution of this whole thing. It is so strange in so many ways. And I would just actually digging into Candace Owens just a little bit, just to refresh my memory before this podcast. And I mean, it's almost like in the same way that Trump put a lot of conservatives into this weird bind where they have to like defend everything he says and does. uh, And they just like, you know, totally debase themselves in the process. I mean, Candace Owens literally went on Tucker Carlson and like the tweet, like pulls up the tweet or they're pulling up the tweet that says like, I'm going to go death con three on the Jews, Jewish people, (laughs) which is what he tweeted, uh, saying like, there's no way, like you, you can't read this tweet and think that it's anti-Semitic. She said, and that was basically like, she went on Tucker to like say that Kanye had a really good point and that it wasn't what the comment in itself in no way was, could be construed as anti-Semitic. So that to me, that's just odd that right wingers have gotten themselves into that position because why would they, why would they even bother? Like, this is not someone who is running for president. He's not like, why would they even fucking bot like waste the energy? Like, isn't that just putting them out into territory? That's like, wait, maybe, wait, are you guys anti-Semitic? Like, (laughs) wait, are you starting to like, like, why even touch this is the question and yeah, I, yeah. Why do you have to go out on a limb and like defend this particular exactly. crazy rant? And, and it's like, where is it even coming from? The no. whole Kanye West saying we are the true Israelites. Is that the whole like black Hotel. Israelite conspiracy well, that? I was just going to say really quickly that I do think some of this, so most of it seems like it's coming from like generic MAGA, yeah. fringy, QAnon adjacent media stuff. But another part of it does seem like it's coming from sort of like the Hotep world of like more mystical black israelites um uh like certain types of like black conspiracy uh as like 
and I don't know, I, I don't even really know what terminology to describe it as, but there is a cer- another realm of like black conspiracy culture that I think most people are unfamiliar with that gets more into like mystical territory. And yeah, and I've seen, I've seen, uh, there's groups of people who talk about that and I've seen them out at rallies and stuff. In fact, I think the Nick Sandman fiasco, they were like, the black Israelite groups were there like yelling at him before the altercation with the native guy happened. And that's, so, yeah. <laughs> and those guys are the most, probably the most prominent version of like something that's, that's probably influencing Kanye. I mean, even the nation of Islam has some elements that get weird and pretty wacky. Like the nation of Islam like works with Scientology which I just recently Oh, wow. Learned. That's really interesting. And they have this really odd relationship with them. Um, so there's all sorts... I mean, who knows exactly where it's coming from? But I think Kanye, uh, he finally hit on something that seemed to spark, I would say, almost like a conspiracy to imply that he is like some kind of MK Ultra victim. And this is I, this is the only thing I want to throw out there. And then if you had anything else to say, definitely <laughs> say it. But basically, his most recent tweet, Abby, I don't know if you saw this. He said that um, his no personal... No Nut November? No, he didn't talk about No Nut November. Did he talk about that? Yeah, yeah, he did. He said, no no adult films. I'm, And it's like, oh, I didn't realize that you were like addicted to pornography, that you had to watch it that much, that you had to like announce that you were taking a month off. Interesting. Why do celebrities even, God, the fact that these celebrities even like say this kind of stuff on social media is just so odd still to me. It's just so narcissistic and oversharing and and narcissistic. But one of his most recent tweets that I saw actually get people like in my world of like deep politics, um, like conspiracy Twitter to start paying attention to and take him seriously was he implied that his personal trainer basically had been the one to drug him or get him drugged and like um what do you call it like uh 5150 or i don't know if he was actually 5150 but actually like committed or put into like a mental hospital and he posted a text message from his personal trainer that i mean if it's a real text message it did seem like a really fucked up and crazy thing for his personal trainer to say to him or he was basically like saying like Hey, can you be civil and like not mention like crazy conspiracy like type shit like every time you're around me? And then he's like, he's like, you know, he's like, you could, or or he said something like, uh, or if you do that, I could just like drug you out of your mind again and like get you like sent away so you'll never see your kids or something. So Kanye posted just that text message exchange from him out of context. And it triggered like a wave of people being like, wait a second, this guy, this personal trainer, he worked for some company that did like psychological operations. He has uh, worked for the government. And then they just, there's, there's threads you can find right now on Twitter that are, in my opinion, almost just infuriating to read because people spent like days researching this personal trainer to basically imply that Kanye is part of some network of like controlled celebrities by like some kind of mk ultra project monarch you know cia operation or whatever and it's just i'm reading this thinking jesus if we had people that were this focused on like the anthrax attacks you know just like 10 10 of them 
it would it would be it would it would give me some hope that like there's like a real conspiracy that's getting some like leg work done on it. Instead, there's just conspiracies about like celebrities, you know, that now Kanye is a victim apparently because his personal trainer sent him a really assholeish text message, and there's a ton of believers now. You can go on Twitter and they're like, yeah. He that may, it makes sense now. Like he is being controlled. Maybe and then maybe the things he's saying about like the Jews or is actually like there's some something to that. Like it's it's really surreal. Uh, anyways, that's my. I mean, that's pretty much all I wanted to. I mean, it's. <laughs> I mean, it's so off the wall that when Tucker was like promoting the fact that he got this exclusive sit down with Yee, and then he only released certain clips that like I mean all of them were totally bad shit crazy. But I guess like he had purposefully removed oh, the yeah. most out there stuff and then somehow media matters or some other entity got a hold of the full interview which was just i mean it's bizarre to say the least i and think vice did it's f- so insane to yeah. watch the whole thing because it's like tucker is just sitting there just nodding along uh, nodding along like really excited to get the draw of kanye you know because he's such a huge celebrity and he's just like agreeing with all this crazy shit he's saying, including insinuating that the Uvalde school shooting was like somehow pre-progged, like pre-programmed in the media and put out there as like some sort of staged event. Yeah. It's really strange. And, with it, I, and, and that was, so that was one of the unaired clips. And at the end of that, where he's saying that he's like, he turns to Tucker and he's like, probably sounding like uh, Alex Jones. He's like, uh, he's like, I don't want to come off like, um, like to Alex Jonesy on your show. And then Tucker's like, no, please do. He's like, I don't mind. He's like, go for it or something <laughs> like in response. And so I guess, I don't know at what point in the interview this came, but another one of the unreleased clips, which I thought was the most disturbing one of all, because I'm always disturbed when mentally ill narcissists start saying things about their children that involve like conspiracies right, right. that are very clearly not real and it's like you're you're what is your kids experience like at home because if you're saying insane things about them on public television what's what are you doing to them at home scares me but this he was basically saying that somebody from his son's school was sent in some kind of plant oh yeah he didn't use the term crisis actor but his implication was that somebody sent in a child that was not really like or an organic friend of his son to influence his child and to sexualize him. Essentially that someone, there was a conspiracy where someone planted a fake child into Kanye's child's life to somehow get to Kanye uh, by sexualizing his child. Yeah, he insinuated that there's like crisis actors staged at the house. I mean- To indoctrinate his children. It's really disturbing. And oh my god, wait! I just thought of something else so insane that he yeah. said. Remember how how the news came out that Kim Kardashian and like I mean, you've, I don't know if you're following this, because but I do look at TMZ sometimes. But Kim Kardashian went out on the show and talked about how her and Pete Davidson had sex in front of a fireplace, and Kanye just c- continued on the weird anti-Semitic trail that he had been on for multiple days already, the tirade, the anti-Semitic mm-hmm. tirade that he'd been on. And he was like, this is the behavior of like Zionist Jews. He said, this is, this is what a Zionist Jew would do. Having sex in front of a fireplace? <laughs> I guess. It's like, or just like the sexualized lifestyle of Kim Kardashian. It's like, wait, wait, wait. It's like, okay, where? <laughs> it's actually crazy that he said the Zionist thing. Cause it's like, where is that? 
Where did that enter your mind from? I don't know, man. <laughs> I know that weird. didn't come from Candace Owens. Oh, no, there's so sure. well, maybe it did. Wink, oh, wink. I mean, no, shit. there's some the weird shit happening with Candace Owens that we won't go into, but I mean, it's some really weird shit in terms of who she's been retweeting. And I don't yeah. know what to make of that. It's a, let's just say it's an indignant, but wrapped in a riddle. We're never going <laughs> to figure it out. Um, but yeah, I mean, what else is there to say about Kanye? But that is really crazy. And just touching on what you said about, I didn't, I didn't see that. I didn't know about that, but there has been, I don't know if you're aware of this, Abby, a conspiracy that's existed since the beginning of like uh, late 70s, 80s pornography, um, especially American pornography, saying that it's basically a Jewish conspiracy to sexualize uh, the public. Wow. You didn't know about this? Wow, no. So yeah, there's been, and I don't know if it's particularly popular within like black conspiracy realms, but I have, I'm, I have been aware that there has been this idea that like there's some kind of demonic Jewish conspiracy that is like behind the porn industry itself. I mean, um, I'm not surprised that, that, yeah, you know, and I guess it was not helped by the fact that a lot of the popular porn stars throughout the eighties, especially were Jewish. And it like, it just probably just reinforced, you know, that whatever that perception was to these people. You know, like Ron Jeremy, Randy West. I mean, I, I maybe they're maybe not a lot of them were Jewish. I only think of two off the top of my head. So, <laughs> you bought into it. I bought into it, dude. I bought into it. I mean, it. it yeah, the whole thing is so off the wall. Um, but yeah, Kanye has been such a piece of shit for so long. So anti-black, anti-gay. I mean, just the fact that he was promoting Candace Owens for the last several years, legitimizing all these insane fucking people, and theories and then it is just funny that like he he went too far you know he went too far and just fucking lost all these sponsorships and stuff but he keeps doubling down man he keeps doubling down on it went um, too far by basically saying white lives matter and and um coming out and being a promoter of Candace owens was not too far before but now he's gone too far <laughs> like yeah basically he did i mean right. when you start going anti-semitic on top of like doing all that stuff, it it's like there's no like how do you come back from that? Um, but at the same time, he is constantly in the news, and he does he does seem to be, you know, he does seem to relish the negative press attention. So I don't know. I mean, to say he's playing 4D chess or whatever would be sound idiotic. But like, what is? Does he have some strategy here, or is it just a completely flaming out? You know. No, I think I think it's scorched earth completely, and I think he's doubling down because he's just falling deeper into like the martyrdom, yeah, and the victim complex, and being egged on by people like Candace Owens because it's good press for her, so she doesn't mm-hmm. give a fuck to use him, you know. It's just it, I could just see how it's almost just pathetic to think that he's on the phone with or like getting sort of whispered into his ear by Candace Owens, like of all people, you know, like what. I know. I just don't. I know. But I mean, he is dumb as shit. And Candace Owens is clearly strategic, you know, and yeah. purposeful. And um, I, ca- I can see it, actually. I can see it more now than ever because he has few allies now. And so I could see him like latching harder onto her to be like, what do I do? <laughs> Where do I go with this, Candace? Guide me. Um it's it's totally nuts though. I mean, I hope he goes bankrupt. I hope that mother- I fucking 
I can't stand him. You know, he's horrible. And on one hand, like, I wouldn't even mind if he just wanted to go wacky, crazy, say all the crazy things he wants to, and then also make, like, weird, like, religious music at the same time. But instead of this, like, I think what bothers me most about it is it's not even, yeah, maybe the anti-Semitic dog whistling should bother me the most, but what bothers me the most on just, like, a inside baseball political junkie level is, like, how fucking boilerplate most of the shit he's saying is. It's right. like really generic. Right. The same talking points we hear on all these same fucking right wing like MAGA networks. Like, dude, say if you're going crazy and you're going mentally ill and that's the best shit you have to say, like I I just breaks my heart. It's like you're saying shit that everybody fucking planted in your head. Like it just it really does illustrate how basic he really is. Like you know, it almost makes me question that he's the one producing a lot of the music that he's done over the years. Well, and how? Or it was just like total lightning that, in a bottle, and his creativity right. was like sort of like a wisp of smoke that maybe only he's only able to latch onto like while he's in the studio or something. But it just doesn't match up with what he's saying. He's saying the most stupid, and I say stupid because it's it's just talking points. You know, saying he's going to go DeathCon three on the Jewish people. I don't know where that's coming from, or kind of if that's a talking point he's reading from some Hotep or Nation of Islam thing. I don't. I really don't know. But um, there's definitely a whole community of people who are, you know, really into that stuff too. So, uh, anyways. Yeah, but we, how common is that though? That we're where we see people who are going off the rails, and it could get really interesting in terms of like what they're going to go out there and say on these huge mm-hmm. platforms, and then they just do boilerplate conservatism why can i say that word <laughs> boilerplate conservatism I, just like elon musk and so many other people that we've seen i mean it's pretty depressing because it just shows you how fried people's brains truly are that there's like very little independent thought or that yeah or that people are very reactionary mm-hmm. right now i mean the last time I can remember someone going really crazy in a pub, very public way and it didn't turn into what you're talking about is Charlie Sheen. Um, right. He just went into like a fucking weird, sad place, but it wasn't right wing politically. It was just... Actually, but you know what? Now that I think about it, he also started doing some, saying some strangely anti-Semitic things. Do you remember that? <laughs> no. He called like the producer of... Um, of a, what's that stupid sitcom that he got kicked off of oh fuck i forgot but the, whatever that sitcom was he like called the guy who ran it like he was insinuating something about his judaism and how he's like a dirty little goblin and all this stuff wow and that's basically why he got kicked off it wasn't because he went on like a drug addled rant and talked about how he was banging six gram rocks it was like the line that went too far was him basically making anti-Semitic comments. Well, there you go. <laughs> the there you go. So, Abby, what, what I'm saying is basically this proves Kanye's right. point. <laughs> yep. I love all the intellectualizing and, like, intellectual cover being provided for Kanye's stupidity from, like, people who should know better to just get the clout from the mm-hmm. right wing and try to, like, ladder climb. Like, I see, I'm seeing it more and more. People who are just like, oh, no, like, basically just trying to provide some sort of cover to legitimize what Kanye is saying mm-hmm. by making that point. You know? Ukrainian neo-Nazis, Ebby. There you go. Why are you, how could you possibly sit there on your high horse and say what he's saying is anti-Semitic if we're funding Ukrainian neo-Nazis? I mean, it's a, it's a cute attempt, uh, but yeah, it's like, come on. 
but even more obvious, it's like in the same breath, it's like the reaction proves the point. Like that's what I've been seeing yeah, over yeah, and over yeah. again. And it's like, okay, guys. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a wild ride to watch someone just completely lose their shit. But again, like the whole mental illness justification is just so f- offensive and babyish because it's like, dude, you're actually like demonizing mentally ill people by saying that they're just like off the rail fucking conservative dumbasses. And that's not, I mean, Kanye is a piece of shit. We can just all agree on that. You know, it has nothing to do with his mental illness or bipolar or whatever. And he also, in that rant I was saying earlier, those text message exchanges he posted with his personal trainer, he was basically, that led to him going on TV again and saying that his bipolar diagnosis came from a doctor. And then he's like, I can't say what the race of the doctor is because I'll get (laughs) in trouble. You can guess. And then he pauses and goes, it was a Jewish doctor, (laughs) which I have to admit was pretty funny. I mean, like the way he said it was, it was was almost like a curb your enthusiasm joke. Oh my God, dude. It's so fucking absurd because he's even saying he's not mentally ill. He's right. saying that his bipolar right. diagnosis was an, basically the like the Jews coming for him again. <laughs> that that in of itself was a Jewish conspiracy. So, oh man, um, what are you gonna do? I mean, there's I don't know what. Hide your kids, hide your wife, man. Why the fuck is Kim uh, allowing him near her children? <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. I think at a certain point, it's going to become clear to everybody that Kim Kardashian is the more responsible parent, which seems absurd to say, but it's just going to become ultra clear. Like nobody would want to let their kids around someone that's acting like this. It's crazy. I mean, even what he said about his son having a crisis actor sexualizing. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean that alone, if someone just said that, like, let's just isolate that. Yeah, no, it's terrifying. Um, yeah, I mean, I was going to go into a whole Adam Levine rant, but I, I feel like I even know what he's in the news about. Well, he's the most generic ass, boring ass dude maroon five sucks but apparently he's been relevant because he like hosts some big i don't even fucking know whose line is it anyway or one of those not not that but like the voice or whatever you know Mm -hmm. one of the singing shows but then it came out that he and he's and he's married to a victoria's secret model which is just insane because he's so like i just don't think he's attractive at all and his tattoos look like someone went into a tattoo shop and just said give me tattoos it's like it looks like just a cutout of like a tattoo sheet from like the 1920s and it's just so badly stacked all, all over his body. But anyway, so it came out that he's been cheating on his Victoria's Secret model wife with multiple Instagram influencers who look nuts, like look super fucking wild out, crazy, like just total um, star fucking Instagram influencers. And what was even more insane is that his wife is pregnant with their third child and that he told one of the women he was cheating on her with that he's going to name his unborn baby after her. And then oh, here's why I even brought it up is because this is how crazy and narcissistic and like maniacal these people are is that his yoga instructor who was on tour with him like 10 years prior to these stories coming out came out with her story and she was like, yeah, she's like, he's been like this forever she said I was with him on tour doing yoga and he texted me one day in front of my boyfriend and he said like I want to be naked with you and my boyfriend assumed that I was having an affair with him and beat the shit out of me 
And I was like in the hospital and Adam Levine like never, and I wrote him back and I was like, you mistakenly texted me this. Like, I don't, we don't have any, a relationship like this. And Adam Levine just like dropped her from the tour and never talked to her again. Wow. <laughs> it's just like absolutely insane. I mean, these people are just completely fucking nuts. Yeah. I mean, celebrity dumb will really cook your brain and just make you just act like a complete sociopath. It's crazy, man. And, yeah. and which brings me to the elections because it's really hero worship over and over again. And I'm so sick of it. And even the just baby brained analysis and hot takes about the midterms and all the people, all the between all the races and stuff. It's like, I want to get into all that, but I, in a, in a good way, not the baby brain way, but I think the biggest takeaway is just like, we should really have no heroes ever and not worship politicians and not idolize or have faith in any politician to do anything. And that the only thing that really matters and the reason that you should vote the most are all these like ballot measures, like Nebraska's minimum wage law, all the abortion, you know, the pro-abortion amendments that enshrine the right to abortion in some of these states, um, the legalization of weed, like things that we could actually do to take our power back without just enlisting hope, perpetual hope in a fucking politician to, to enact what they've been campaigning for. Because it's just, ne- it's a pipe dream, man. Yeah, and it's, I think that it should be clear to everybody at this point that, like, someone has someone has been playing such dirty political games, not just during the election season, but in between them the whole time, too, that is, like, election-related, that it really does feel like it's a scorched-earth situation. I mean, how do you, it's not just, like, how do you come back from the Trump era or MAGA or you know, all that stuff, or how do you come back? It just, it does feel like, not that it's rigged, but it's like so destroyed um, that I don't even really understand what to do. I mean, even just the candidates that were running for Senate, like the fact that Dr. Oz <laughs> and Herschel Walker were like this Trump kingmaker appointed, you know, candidates. And and they basically just seem like they're almost just like reality show stars or something you know like it's like what is what is even happening there i mean we already have basically QAnon believers in congress um from the last election and and also this whole this you know the idea that the red wave was going was coming and then it didn't come you know and not a lot of people are are crying election fraud it's just really striking to me how it's no longer this idea that if Trump loses, then there's something fishy going on because obviously he had it in the bag and there's no way Biden, you know, could ever be Trump. It's now turning into, there's no way that the country could have wanted to vote any more Democrats in because of the wokeness and the lockdowns. Like, how could that be possible? There must be nationwide in every single area uh, where there were exciting Republican candidates that were hyped up to me. Those areas must be rigged. I mean, that's, and it really is like a, it's now become, that is like a baked in belief. And you watch like Fox News now, that is the narrative that a mainstream corporate TV channel is putting out. Um, so it's, it's fascinating. It's like, it doesn't even give you any orientation to stand on and be like, here's how, you know, election fraud has been done or voter fraud works. It's almost just like saying like, it's all rigged against you, the Republicans, the deep state and the Democrats figured out a way to rig every single like local 
election. I mean, that's. Ba- I mean, I don't know if, how much you've been paying attention to that. Oh rhetoric, no, I, but it's- I have been, and and I think it's important to zoom out and even look at the 2016 election and realize that really the the driving narrative of Putin installing Trump like sowed the seeds for all of this shit to fall apart. Because and then the next election you have the Democrats just straight up rigged it. Where sitting in office right now there are already 200 people across the country who refuse to admit that Biden is the legitimate president. Like they still deny the election results. Um, And that's basically what the Democrats were running on this whole thing. It wasn't, I mean, yeah, of course they spent an outrageous amount and really tried to make it about abortion instead of inflation or the economy or anything like that. But they, they were really running on this empty rhetoric of democracy being on the ballot because of how, they were just riding the wave of the so-called insurrection, the January 6th event, and a rejection and repudiation of Trumpism still. And what's so strange is this whole dichotomous narrative that was almost like echoed each other in a weird way where Democrats were saying, you can't trust the results. Like every every official pundit and publication were preempting the election by being like, you cannot trust the results and, and at the beginning, there's going to be a red mirage, actually, because the mail-in ballots, the mail-in ballots, and the mail-in ballots coming in later, all the Republicans' fault anyway. And then it just sowed the seeds and reinforced the narrative for the Republicans to be like, look, they're announcing that they're going to rig it. And mm. you can't trust any of the results. It's all going to be rigged by the Democrats. We can't trust the mail-in ballots. And there is going to be a re- red wave. And it's just so crazy to, like— I, I've never seen that going into it. It was very destabilizing, like watching this all unfold of both sides just planting that seed that like it's going to be complete fucking chaos. Yeah. And I think that the Democrats have sort of taken this stance where it's like we, you know, vote, demo- hopefully democracy wins tonight <laughs> and all this shit. Um, but what but, does that you know, mean? It's just basically, it's like just continuing like the January 6th, like, yeah. you know, Trump is like a fat, you know, anti-democracy or whatever. Uh, but it just, oh shit, I don't even remember what I was going to say. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, I mean, and it was also crazy too, because like you have these militia people armed to the teeth patrolling the mail-in drop box centers, um, just really under unsettling climate right now to even be voting and to be engaging in this process. Um, And here's what's just the funniest part about this, Robbie, is both sides declare victory. So it's like both sides were saying the same kind of thing going into this, and then both sides can say they won. And it's all because of the over-promising of the Republicans, this red wave, and then it ended up being not a wave, but they still fucking won. I mean... Why are we calling this a victory for Democrats? Because they weren't completely crushed. I mean, it, that's what's who's so calling, weird about who's it. Who's saying that? I mean, I have. Oh my god! Really I was seen. watching MSNBC and CNN like the whole day after, uh-huh. just to see because there's so many bizarre races that are happening that are neck and neck still that we don't know the results of, and like, a lot of as we Pe- record this, yeah, so this is Peter two days Thiel, after the Peter Thiel candidates, especially that I want I want to go into yeah, a lot sure. with you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's really strange. I mean, these people are, could all win and it's really, it, it's really likely that the Republicans are, are going to take both houses. And 
the Democrats are just super positive. They're like, this was a great day. Like we thought that it was going to be way worse and we ended up doing really well. It's like, but you're like, the thing is you're, this is just more of a reason for you not to do anything. Like you, you already didn't do anything when you had control of both houses and now you're not going to have control of both houses. And now you're just like, well, I mean, I, I feel like that's almost secretly why they're just so joyous. Cause it's like, well, can throw our hands up and put it all to the next election. Can't codify Roe, can't do shit. We already used this weird filibuster and Kristen Cinema Joe Manchin talking point to prevent us from doing anything substantial. But now there's a real reason that the Republicans are now blocking us from doing anything. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's the same. I mean, it's just the same game that they yeah. keep playing. And of course, I mean, after Trump, I really do feel like they are just like, we don't, we literally do not have to do anything. Like, <laughs> all we have to do is just say, do you want that? And do you want that? Yeah. Do you want that? And how crazy is it that Herschel, this guy's like brain damaged. I mean, this guy, the fact that this guy might win this Georgia runoff race, I don't know who his opponent is. I'm sure he's Dr. Oz, off. wasn't it? No, no, no. Herschel Walker. No, no, no. That was John Fetterman, the guy who looked like a giant wrestler. Oh, who also literally was like a post-stroke like victim, right? He was a post-stroke victim, but he seems at least competent. I mean, I don't know much about him other than Obama campaign for him, so I can't really trust him that much. But oh, he Herschel did? Oh, Walker, wow. Yeah. But Herschel Walker is like, wait a minute, this guy literally is brain... I mean, he he's way... Like, imagine George W. Bush on his worst day, and this guy is like 20 times worse than that. He can't even get through a full sentence. He is the dumbest motherfucker I have ever seen. And he's a dumber than Marjorie Taylor player. Green. He probably is also concussed... Like he probably has um, like whatever that's called when you play football for too long. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. So right. he probably he does have legitimate real brain damage. Yeah, and also he's one of these fake Christians who talks about how abortion is, you know, he's super opposed to abortion and stuff. And then it came out that he had all these extramarital affairs. He had secret children. He forced one of his, one of his mistresses to have an abortion. No, None of these people care about that. And even his son, Christian Walker, remember that kid who has that viral TikTok um, black gay guy who goes through the Starbucks drive through and just like shouts at the workers about Biden and them being liberal and is just like very dramatic. And Glenn Greenwald came out and said that he was, he really is someone to watch out for because he's gay, black, and not liberal. And that's why people are so scared of him. Um, Holy shit. And he even denounced <laughs> his dad. He even denounced his dad. He was like, you're a piece of shit. We oh, had to like yeah. hide from you. It was like a really crazy turn of events. I guess I he found yeah, out about that. like secret uh, brethren that um, his dad had been hiding out from even his own son. And he was just like, we've had to like escape domestic violence from you. All this stuff. I mean, it's pretty shocking after all that, mm -hmm. that he could very well win the election. But I guess, is it shocking when Bobert is actually slated to win too. Marjorie Taylor Greene. Wait, I thought Bo Bird already lost. Dude, I thought so too. Right before we started, I looked at the, it is neck and fucking neck. What? She's like winning by like 700 votes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. In Colorado, which is so crazy. Like what? I thought Colorado had a little bit of sense. Well, should we talk about the, so you tell me which, I guess if you're ready to, which of the Thiel, Peter Thiel candidates actually did win yet? Any of them? Okay, so let me let me preempt this by saying the red mirage was actually a blue mirage 
in the craziest <laughs> MAGA seats <laughs> because this is what made no sense about this whole Red Mirage, Blue Mirage thing because this is what made no sense about the whole Red Mirage talking point, the mail-in ballots thing because at the beginning, everyone looked like they were being trounced and everyone was like, fuck you, Trumpism. Like, you got schooled, bro. Like, Trump's dead, all this shit. And it's like, wait a minute. All of these people, yeah, of course, there were some Trump back candidates that lost and like Q and honors that didn't do well. But then look at J.D. Vance, Lauren Boebert, Joe Kent, Carrie Lake and Blake Masters all are like neck and neck right now, dude. They're all neck and neck and they were all they were all like declared as total losers right from the get. Because it was an overwhelming margin that was crushing them. And then all of a sudden they just gained ground. It's like, wait, where's this red mirage, bro? Can I say something funny that I yeah. just read about Carrie Lake right before recording yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is how like in, the intensity has much ratcheted up with these like MAGA style, you know, these MAGA style politicians and, and how the rhetoric is. She literally already started like spinning conspiracies against Ron DeSantis for like tanking her. On the Stephen Crowder <laughs> show, at, at, as the election still being counted, so like she's already freaking out, acting as if she already lost, and then saying it's because of some conspiracy by Ron DeSantis to destroy her. I mean, what's so crazy about her is that she was uh, an Obama person until 2016. She was a total generic mainstream news no anchor. Way. Yeah, total like went wow. to gate, like drag queen shows, and then all of a sudden, whoa, grifter or just captured by Trump, fallen into the QAnon net, she becomes a crazy Trumper. And here's what's so funny, dude. She worked for mainstream media, corporate media for 27 years, 27 fucking years, right? You think that you would know what the your role is there as a corporate news anchor. Suddenly she pulls a Liz Wall, denounces corporate media as fake, liberal fake news one year ago, Robbie. Did she quit on air and do that? No, almost. I, I wish. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. She I know. did it on her show, dude. And oh now God. she has this totally played out promo of her smashing a television, just like I did 15 Hell, years ago. Yes. And she's smashing the TV and being like, I'm going to take on the corporate media. And it's just, of course, Don Lemon. And it's like, yeah, the corporate media, because non-corporate media is all the right-wing ecosphere and right-wing media system that is super subversive and non-corporate, Carrie. I mean, it's so fake and contrived. It's like, how are you working for the system for 27 years? And then you just leave and you're like, yeah, like I'm going to, I'm going to make your life a living hell, mainstream media, corporate media, like hijacking a left critique of actual corporate control of the media and making it partisan. Once again, it's genius. And Trump that's what they've it. done with everything. Yeah. They did right. it with the deep state. They've done right. it with the idea of election fraud not just voter yeah, fraud, but right, now election right. fraud. Like the whole system is rigged against them. I mean, everything, every single issue that we used to only be able to pull from like left-wing fringe media, you know, is now, is the rhetoric has been flipped and it's now been made partisan. I mean, even intelligence agencies are now partisan. You know, the deep state is liberal and it's against conservatism. It just that's that is the paradigm in which a lot of these people sit in for most of the time, and it's. But Robbie, fascinating. Tulsi Gabbard, who heroically left the Democratic Party <laughs> recently and is now just stumping for just MAGA candidates. I mean, it's really. I mean, she's endorsing these people. I mean, she said that woke authoritarianism is like the biggest 
you know, tyrannical threat that we face. And I mean, I believe her, you know, and I believe that she is a truly anti-war candidate because she's been spending all of her time denouncing the Ukraine war and really pushing a path to peace. Oh, wait, no, she's actually been just stumping for the child mutilation rallies and is just now on a, a totally one note anti-trans lunatic. And it's beyond being um, very a turf. strange. At first, I thought she was just a turf like a few years ago. No, 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 no. But she has gone full, like basically just evangelical, like panic clickbait rhetoric. And by that, I mean she's doing, she did one of these rallies with Matt Walsh, that guy who did that film, What is a Woman? Mm-hmm. Who, who then came out and said that he wanted to marry like a 15 year old girl. Well, he said that 15-year-old girls were like the most fertile or something oh, like sorry, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just a little correction there. But that but so he went on Joe Rogan a few days ago and basically Tulsi's almost her entire appearance on Rogan was almost all about trans people. Like I'd say 75% of it. So when Matt Walsh goes on this guy that she did this rally with, you can see sort of almost their strategy in play on the Joe Rogan show. Uh I think Jamie basically fact check Matt Walsh on the idea that there's like millions of children on puberty blockers in the United States, like right now or something. And the number turned out to be just like a few thousand or something. Right. Um, Right. So you could see that it's like, okay, so really what are they talking about with child mutilation? Are they talking about bottom surgery, genital altering surgery, elective surgery? No. Well, okay, well, then what are they talking about? Well, it seems like really the only thing they're talking about when they say that, if you really break it all down, seems to be mastectomies, which I guess in some states you you can do that if you're under 18, like electively. I don't, I actually might be talking out of turn here. I'm not sure what the actual law is, but they seem to be moving the goalposts. So they catch everybody's attention with all this outrage by saying, like anyone who's like under eight, like any kid, basically, they're making it seem like any kid could just go to the doctor without their consent of their parents and like get their actual genitalia changed. <laughs> I mean, isn't that like, I mean, don't you think that's kind of what they're trying to do is by oh, just making scaring people? No, absolutely. I mean, if she were talking about um, circumcision, I would be like all, I would be like, this is a weird flex, but like, go for it, girl. Yeah. But it's just so crazy that they are manufacturing a completely false narrative that millions of children and young teens are mutilating their genitalia. Like it's, it's crazy. It's super fucking crazy. It's total panic mania. And, and because of this, because of how successful this rhetoric is, According to a YouGov poll, Americans, I forget how many Americans were polled or like what party, but I, generally speaking, Americans think that the transgender population is around 21% of this country because that's how prevalent these talking points are and like fear instated in the minds of just normal people of how scary trans people are. And in reality, only 1% of the population identifies as trans. That's how marginalized trans people are that's how little this issue matters i mean of course it matters to trans people of course we should support trans people they are very oppressed and criminalized um and being threatened 
by these people. But it's just so crazy to think that this is some widespread, huge, egregious problem that um, our children are going to be like victimized by trans grooming. I mean, it just you, we go in so many directions with this. They basically what they're trying to do is just gain so many different inroads to to like use trans people as like an avatar for how like wokeness has gotten out of control and they do it in all these different ways and i think some of the more insidious ways are like the turf methods um uh like basically like that joe rogan has had on people before who like spend almost their entire episode talking about how basically uh the trans women in prison are like you know in mm -hmm. put in jail cells or areas with other biologically born females and like their whole thing is about rape and sexual assault being a problem and how they shouldn't have allow people with penises in you know jail so like if you're listening to this as someone just coming into this completely fresh you might actually be like captured by that rhetoric just on its face because you don't realize that it's all part of this larger strategy that is all really coordinated to basically do what i'm saying is to make it seem like we are tolerating these crazy things because uh, the liberals and the Democrats are just too woke. It's like woke authoritarianism gone crazy. And that's basically what they're trying to do. And, you know, by they're trying to capture the more, I think, scared, more Christian people by making it seem like they're going to turn your kids, not just gay, but now trans. And your kids is... could maybe even go out there and cut off their own tits and, and whatever, you know, like... At a on a whim, and and they'll just come home one day, and Planned Parenthood will do the surgery for them, and <laughs> with you, your tax, yeah. Dollars. Like, I, I mean, I honestly do think that that is a vague construct that they have. I mean, obviously, it's probably not that crazy, but I mean, I don't know. It's it's dark because, like, why is Tulsi doing this? I don't even really think she's. I do think she probably is a bigot, but I really don't even think that's the reason she's doing it. I think she's like being paid. I mean, she is being paid clearly to go across the country and stump for these MAGA candidates. Joe Kent, uh, oh, what, what's her face? Kelly, the one we were just talking mm -hmm. about. Carrie Lake. Blake yeah. Masters. Right. This She's being paid to do this. So I, I just, isn't it obvious at this point that she is like an arm of the Republican Party? Not just, oh, is she right wing or not? Oh, you think she's right wing because she doesn't think we should bomb Syria? Like whatever those stupid arguments become. She is literally a Republican well, yeah, operative. At, at, at what point can we just say that someone's a Republican? You know how like Elon Musk is yeah. like, oh no, I'm an independent thinker, but everyone should just go and vote Republicans. It's like, okay, like you don't get to call yourself that anymore. Okay? Like, can we just lift the mask? Like, I know it's not cool to be like, I'm a Republican, but you fucking are. Like, I'm sorry, when you are going and stumping for Trump candidates... MAGA people or just and saying calling that like it's super nuts or just saying you should vote Republican that's if what I'm I, saying if me or you went out there on our show and said and and debased ourselves to the level let's say if we got so desperate and just <laughs> in such a weird headspace that we we're like you need to vote Republic like Democrat across the board on this ticket this election you just need to you should vote Democrat across the board people I think it would be completely within the realm of right like reason for people to come back at us and say you guys are fucking democrats right like, what the fuck dude so like why would why can't we say that about these <laughs> why people can't you just call us yeah like that's so weird dude <laughs> it's so weird honestly it's the republican party if you say we should vote for it, it just doesn't count 
only if you say you should vote for Democrats do you get like completely trounced and and you know and like rant raked over the coals. It's it, I guess it's cool now to yeah. basically shill for people like Joe Kent um, and and people like that. And, and it's just like I I'm just completely utterly baffled by it still. But well, me too, dude. And let's get into the steel stuff. But I wanted to dovetail off what you said about the woke and how sure. people like Matt Walsh were claiming that the red wave would happen because there would be just a widespread rejection of woke politics and that people would be repulsed by this sharp woke turn by the Democratic Party. And what, what turned out to be true was that the reason that this so-called red wave, even though the Republicans won, so it's just kind of a moot point, even though it wasn't more of a victory for Republicans, is because millions of young people turned out to vote against the, the Roe v. Wade. I mean, that it, all the polling shows that millions of young people came out because they were disgusted with the Supreme Court taking away a core fundamental civil right that we have had for decades. So turns out people don't like to be um, policed by religious bigots and have their uteruses, you know, dictated of what we have the freedom to do and what not to do. Turns out that people don't like to be told that they have to have forced fucking births. Um, so all of this was just kind of a farce, you know, it's like, I mean, thank God. Um, I'm sure Biden is thanking his lucky fucking stars, dude, because I honestly thought that there would be a more of a victory for Republicans because I thought people had woken up to the point that the Democrats didn't do shit to protect abortion rights and that they could have done way more. But I think people still, even though there are probably millions of people who have given up completely, as we know, half the country does not vote. I don't blame them. But I think that so many people were so disgusted yeah. Um, that they actually came out to denounce that. And that's what we saw. Right. And I'm sure all these Democrats were ready to just with their talking points to blame punch left, you know, even though they didn't do shit. It's like, it's just crazy. Like Biden is the most disastrous president, dude. He has an approval rating that's like lower than Trump's lower than Trump's. He is horribly unpopular inflation is through the roof, a 40-year high of inflation. The infrastructure is crumbling. He wasn't able to pass that. He wasn't able to get really anything done. And what he did do really didn't amount to much. The student debt thing was stimmied by only applying to like federal and not private, right? And then the marijuana pardons with people who are he claimed were like these mass pardons of marijuana users or offenders didn't affect one person who was incarcerated. And so, I mean, I'm sure he's done other things that could be construed as good. I don't know what those are. They haven't been significant enough. The climate change bill that everyone was touting as a monumental thing was actually a huge giveaway to oil and gas, opened up hundreds of miles of new drilling opportunities. So this guy's a fucking joke, dude. He is the one whose who's neoliberal politics have destroyed the country. And of course, they're just going to take this as a mandate, Robbie, just like they always fucking do. You know, if they were going to lose more, they would blame the left. And now that he's not lost as horribly as he thought he would, they're just going to take this as some sort of reinforcement that they're fucking great yeah. and that everyone supports their policies. And it's just it's just the way that it's always going to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's what they're going to do. And like I was saying earlier, they really, they're still as horrible as they are and as disappointing as they are, almost like 
disappointed at an all-time high. There's almost, I mean, the fact that there's no Democrats voting against the Ukrainian war funding is really shocking. I mean, it's not mm -hmm, a single mm -hmm, one. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it's, they really don't, ha they're in such a prime spot still of literally just, they just have to sit back and be like, do you want that? <laughs> I'm, I, it's that easy. And, and, you know, maybe the Republicans feel like they're in the same position, but at the same time, a lot of the stuff like wokeness and stuff, there's no actual, like, l like laws being put into place that are fundamentally changing people's rights having to do with that. Abortion is a serious issue. And the fact that Roe versus Wade is overturned is a, has serious consequences. So, I mean, I, you know, I still think the verdict is out exactly what is, is fully motivating people to you know, for this many people to be trying to vote Dem Republicans out of office, basically. Uh, but I do think that there's more stuff, real stuff happening that seems real compared to what they're trying to gin up votes from, you know? I mean, the illegal immigration stuff in Arizona, you know, go to Arizona. Like, it actually has a surprisingly little amount of, like, like immigrant it doesn't it's like the areas that these people these republican Actually voters live, live in, in are so yeah. fucking white dude right you imagine oh it's like a near the border there's probably are a lot of mexicans there it's not like it's not even like california in that regard i it's like way more like mixed together in california than it is when you go down to arizona it's it's just kind of weird to think that that's how that's what motivates them to vote but it's actually like it's pretty segregated down there. The invasion, dude. Well, here, it's... I'm going to blow your mind right now. Ready? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So if it was, remember how Hillary Clinton had the Pied Piper strategy in the DNC documents about elevating Trump because she thought he would be the easiest candidate to beat? Of course, the infamous Pied <laughs> well, Piper Well, guess what, strategy. Robbie? What? They did it again. <laughs> this, this last election, the Democratic Party <laughs> spent millions of dollars funding the f most... F the Democratic Party spent millions of dollars funding the most extreme right-wing candidates. Wait, what? Yes, dude. I, I wish that I were just completely making this up, but I'm not. <laughs> this is from the Washington Post. What the fuck? Yeah, Pied Piper candidates thinking that they would be easier to defeat. Thinking that they would be easier to defeat. Um, I don't even know what to say about that. What, what candidates did they try to do that for specifically? Here, let me, um, I'll tell you right now. Okay. I might be paywalled on this on, now okay. that I've opened it a second time. Let me see. Jesus fucking Christ, dude. I this, The paywall system of these... I'm not paying for a subscription to the Washington Post. Okay. Hold on. Let me just see if it says... I'm sure this is like a story everywhere. Hold on. Yeah. Okay. So the week. The week covered it. The risky strategy Democrats are using to win elections. I mean, just ads promote like like surreptitiously promoting these people um like probably cold calls to like media like urging just to like pit people against each other i mean i don't i don't actually know but it's just so crazy the fact that they were spending millions of dollars to do this um democrats here's another portion of the article democrats spent 2.5 million dollars in colorado to boost this other guy, Representative Ron Hanks, in the GOP Senate primary. He's rated one of the most conservative extremist members in the House. He says the election was a fraud and he wants to ban all abortions. And it's like, okay, so why? 
why were you promoting him? Like they were basically, this is another thing that they were doing. They were putting out ads to cater to conservatives to be attracted to these candidates. I guess that was another element of this. So they were trying, they were gaming out strategies of how to entice conservatives to make these people win the primaries and elevate the most extreme right-wing candidates to make them win the primaries instead of just like, you know, blatantly doing like good press coverage. So it was like more insidious, but it's also just totally batshit crazy that they're spending money that people are donating to them to try to help them win and like reach voters. And then this is the shit that they're doing. It's just crazy, dude. It is. I mean, but at the same time, it's like how much money you have to wonder, like how much money the Democrats are able to play around with collectively with all these different like super PACs now that like after citizens united like i mean if peter Thiel is able to just like literally donate just millions and millions of dollars straight into one candidate now like via like a pack or whatever it's it it just makes me wonder if they, it make to me it almost seems like they just must have a, such a surplus of money that they're like why not also do this the pipe piper strategy again by funding yeah, you know what? we just have so we're just swimming in cash dude let's just do it wait was it 2012 or 20 or 2008 that i feel like we were talking about how crazy it was that like the the presidential elections hit a billion dollars yeah and I mean, now it was, yeah and now 10 years later they poured 16 billion dollars super packs billionaires shit. 16 billion dollars just into the midterms oh my god Robbie. why is that not why haven't why haven't we seen like a why isn't that graph like everywhere and right. going viral of like this is how much money is being spent on elections like do you, dude now okay just on a basic level it all <laughs> it all makes sense now all the ops right. i've been talking about for the last right. 2 years it all it all kind of comes together when you have this amount of money going into, man, I mean, manipulating an election, what else is it really doing? I mean, that's, it's obviously what's going on. It's like everything is fucking just firing on all cylinders. People are just trying to control it as much as possible. They they can. I mean, it's, it's $16 billion is probably going to seem like a drop in the bucket 10 years from now. Right. That's what's so scary. It's be like and it was such a, it was such a huge, significant, amount 10 years ago oh when the billion dollar election hit i was like this is such a dog and pony show i can't believe the u.s spends wow. a billion dollars on presidential elections and then now it's just like a you know it's just naughty it's like an afterthought that oh wow. 16 billion dollars it's like wait 16 billion dollars into a midterm election wow you know i mean that that's an crazy. oligarchy baby that that's that's if there if that doesn't define the fact that we live in a dystopic oligarchy, I don't know what would. Yeah, it really does explain almost like probably even just all the talking points that are coming through. You know, some of those crazier Republican talking points, they've got a, they're being funded by somebody that's got a lot of money, you know, that's got some weird agenda that we probably don't even, can't even really discern fully. It's like, it's all money driven. I mean, and there's just endless amounts of it being poured in now. Um, God, yeah, there's so many layers. It's like going to be hard to catch up psychologically of like even what what op we're you privy can't to. anymore. I mean, it's like that's why I mean. I mean, that just I guess it's just so depressing because it's it just takes me back to that same place of being like cynical and being like, what is voting even going to do at this point? I mean, in very rare circumstances, 
it could change things. I mean, on a local level, obviously it's more important, but I mean, just talking about on this level, you know, what people are focusing on the midterms, Senate, Congress. Um, yeah. The Peter Thiel stuff is so crazy that this guy can come out there and funnel tens of millions of dollars through these shady ass entities and just prop up total cutout candidates. And a lot of them, I mean, JD Vance is obviously the, the mm-hmm. biggest victor in this. He won a resounding victory against Tim Ryan, who was that guy who just looks like a thumb. I think he ran for president in the primary in 2016. Oh, he beat him. Interesting. Yeah. But like there's other, all the other guys, um, Blake Masters, who looks like a fucking serial killer. This is a Walther PPK, otherwise known as the James Bond gun. This is chambered in 22 LR and I've got a dead air mask silencer on it. Uh, I've wanted this gun for a long time, ever since I was a little kid. Made in Germany, 007 gun, why would you not want this? Let's load it up and see how it shoots. Silencers sometimes get a bad rap. People want to pretend that it makes it easy to commit crime or something like that. But actually shooting with a silencer just makes it a whole lot more pleasant to shoot because you don't have to worry about giant ear protection. Definitely a fun and quiet gun. The weirdest thing is just being able to sort of feel, because there's no sound, right? You just feel the bullet, hear it. You've called him like the CGI, like cut, like Thiel cutout. I mean, mm-hmm. he really does look like an AI rendition of an amalgamation of like boss like boss cartoon characters in like fucking NES video games or something. It's like yeah. really strange. He he's posted a photo of himself holding an assault rifle like in a minivan and the top of the minivan, like the roof is covered in patches of police units across the world. Mm-hmm. It's really bizarre stuff, man. And this guy's nut. This guy's like evil. I I mean, I have a hard time even being able to discern what his actual ideologies or beliefs are. But evil, I could get on board with that because he's so fake and so phony that for, you know, let's say he didn't believe in any of the stuff he's talking about. It's very like reactionary, crazy stuff he's putting out there. So it would make it even worse almost in a way if he didn't believe it. Um, and I, I, the hard thing to, that I, I guess the, I don't want to spend too much time on him because I already mm-hmm. did a podcast last month about him. But the the one thing that really stood out to me doing a whole podcast about him is that he was completely politically inactive, has almost no political opinions out there of any kind until 2019. And he oh, was Oh wow, that's super interesting. Yeah. So he claims that he's was like a Ron Paul libertarian all his life and all this stuff. But other than some message board postings from him in college, like when he was still in college from the early 2000s where he's like talking about being against the Iraq war and all this weird shit and like a CrossFit like message board. 
there's literally nothing that he has said politically like in and I looked I can say for sure between the years I would say 2006 and 2019 there's almost nothing you can find of him expressing any political opinion whatsoever he was only known for being a silicon valley startup guy and a, a legal uh, law student graduate um who was Peter Thiel's uh not just like cut out candidate that he sort of latched onto later, but he became Peter Thiel's protege uh, as early as 2012. Yeah, he was the president of the Thiel Foundation. Um, and then he wrote a book with Peter Thiel that was basically based on class notes that he took in a Peter Thiel class taught at Stanford. So, wow. which is just a weird thing in its of itself that Blake Masters originally went viral on all these tech blogs and stuff for taking notes in Peter Thiel's class and posting them on Tumblr. Um, but then they ended up writing a book together that's based on the notes from his class. I don't know. The whole thing just seems like some sort of weird publicity stunt for his book. Um, and that's how Blake Masters got his name out there to begin with. And then he also did a startup company in Silicon Valley called Judatica with a, a Google engineer and another guy from like someone related to Peter Thiel. And they got a bunch of money from Peter Thiel for that startup company in 2012, something like $10 million in seed money. Um, and then for the last, I'd say, six or seven years, he has worked as the COO of Teal Capital. So Blake Masters literally probably works in the same building as Eric Weinstein. Um, and I just think it's kind of interesting that Eric Weinstein, I think, was the managing director or something of Teal Capital. Like, these guys maybe even work together. Um, and then they're all of a sudden just both in, both in the mix as these, like, political figures. It's like, is that a coincidence to anybody? I mean, like, two, like, they're not, they're, like, literal employees of Peter Thiel. They're not even just, like, cut-out candidates he's found out there to, like, pour money into. They're his actual employees. That is so which, creepy. It, it, it is creepy. And it's almost like sort of taking the mask off again and being like, why can't we just do this? Like, I'm having right. my own employees who I've mentored run for office like i don't want to like i don't even want to go through the rigmarole of like propping up some like fucking puppeted you know guy who i have to vie for control over with all these other lobbyists or whatever i'll just like fucking this is a guy i mentored who's literally been, been my loyal employee for the last 12 years and he's now my candidate i mean it almost it's almost kind of like um you know it just almost illustrates more that this amount of money going into the elections now is just taking these masks off more from these people in control and being like, why can't we do this now? Right. We don't even have to have this, you know, I don't know what you call it, what word I'm trying to look for. Um, this, um, this facade of that we're not in control, you know? Oh my God. I, I did not realize that this Blake Masters guy was that, that much of just a, part of the Thiel operation. I mean, straight up. Oh, because it's, that's crazy, dude. Well, Joe Kent, there's even a lot of suspicion out there that Joe Kent is also being not just like funded, his campaign being funded by Peter Thiel, but Joe Kent has had an odd mystery about who he's been employed by for the last like two or three years. He cannot answer this question, which is very strange for someone running for office. And people have actually like asked him in interviews, like, like in debates, and he still like cannot answer the question. So everybody's like, well, is this guy just 
is Peter Thiel like he's like contracting for him? Like who, who is paying for him? Who is paying for him to live? And he's not saying, oh, I have like a trust fund or like my parents, you know, I'm like living off of like whatever. He's literally like not disclosing who his employer is. I think that's awfully odd. So Wait, it's and let he's a lot running, of, is he running for Congress in Congress. Washington? Okay. Yeah, he's running for Congress. So it's not just that Peter Thiel is like propping up Blake Masters. He's literally in his, his employee who left being the COO of Thiel Capital to fight for the great state of Arizona as carpetbagger as you can get. This guy was a Silicon <laughs> Valley, San Francisco COO. I mean, it's it's pretty insane. And he's not just penetrated into the minds of like mainstream Republicans and gotten them excited. He's also gotten like libertarian influencers to fucking completely debase themselves and endorse him. Why? What is it about him? I don't know. It's because he's thrown out the he's thrown out the Ron Paul bone. Dude. He's thrown that out there and been like, I was a Ron Paul guy. And he keeps showing this picture of him. I guess he went to some Ron Paul convention like in 2013. That's all it takes? Yeah, dude. It's really... I even listened to Dave Smith interview him. And Dave Smith is shaping up to be... Potentially even be the libertarian presidential candidate moving forward, believe it or not. Um, He basically endorsed Blake Masters and... Kind of, he wasn't very skeptical of him, except for when it came to some of the China Hawk stuff that Blake Masters has put out there. But it was really interesting because he's like, you're, he's like, I've heard you've re- you've read like um, Ludwig von Mises and you know a lot of the great libertarian like scholars and Ayn Rand and stuff like, like so like tell us how that's like influenced you and like where it's like sort of brought you in life. And I swear to God, Blake Masters gave such a boilerplate like non, he didn't give any specifics at all. To the point where, at, by the end of his answer, I'm like, I really think he, like, I don't know how he's pulled the wool over these guys' eyes, but he hasn't read any of the Like, <laughs> doesn't seem like he really knows any. He hasn't even like done any homework to be like, let me study up on Mises so I can quote some things. Like nothing. He gave like a non-answer, and it was just like, wow, like they're really fucking dumb for falling for this. Oh my god. So I don't know. It's Ron Paul endorsed him. Um, they had him on the Ron Paul Liberty Report. Um, so it seems like he's kind of penetrated that whole system as well. Um, you know, so I don't know. I mean, Joe Kent is also sort of presenting himself as this anti-war figure. Blake Masters is kind of too, but he's more just sort of sane, really boilerplate stuff that's like really not really, you know, it's pretty meaningless. But then you really press him on things. He'll say very meek, you know, meek things about like, how we shouldn't escalate in Ukraine, but like, you know, talk about Russian aggression and stuff. So he's not even really that anti-war acting. It's Joe Kent is the guy who I think is sort of acting like he is. And he even managed to get on the Scott Horton show. So like, right. I just saw that. I was pretty surprised because Scott Horton's pretty good when it comes to China pushback from people like Tim pool and stuff. And And he did push back against him. He actually hit him pretty hard on the China stuff uh, about halfway through the interview. But it is still weird to think it's like, why are Republican candidates all of a sudden being treated like they're legitimately, you know, anti-war or libertarian? It's like, what it like? There needs to be some kind of record or more than just some really pretty basic rhetoric. Which is, I think that all these seems like Joe Kent. These people are mostly riding on that some pretty boilerplate basic anti-war rhetoric that doesn't really have much weight behind it. Here's my question about Joe Kent. 
because Tulsi endorsed him. I've seen, you know, people like Scott Horton, I mean, basically endorsing him. If you're doing like a big, you know, if you're platforming him on a anti-imperialist project, like anti-war, um, that's pretty much like, you know, you're signaling to people that you think this guy's legit. Yeah. Um, why is it that, I think that you brought up this point, like why is it that we can just call someone like Pete Buttigieg like a spook, you know, and like, kind of laugh at the notion that he could have been like a CIA plant to do this and that when this guy is a spook. Well, like he, he was, literally yeah. is. He literally did CIA special, like not, not even like, um, you know, like desk work or whatever. He did actual like military, like on the ground, like, like, um, I don't, and I don't know what, you know, it's CIA stuff. It's like, what kind of stuff does the CIA do when they recruit, like a veteran from you know all these different Middle Eastern wars because he had gone he's like fought in like every single one since like the and Bush he's era. not like a Phil a Agi he's oh, like no. someone who's like likes the CIA. Well, it's interesting because he acts like he only started to realize how bad the war and everything was like when Trump got out there and started pushing back against some of this stuff. Like I listened to his Scott Horton interview right before we started recording. Mm -hmm. And that's all he really explains about why he turned against the wars. And all he's really willing to say is that like, we don't prevent any attacks here. It's not what this is about. It's a waste of resources and time and lives, but there's not really any like, Oh, this is why you turned against it. Or, you learned from this or this was your experience. Why don't you tell us a little bit of, it's kind of like this weird sort of mystery spot, like Tulsi. Mm -hmm, it kind of makes mm -hmm. more sense because Tulsi's still in the military that she wouldn't, you know, talk about a specific incident or whatever. That's more, that makes more sense. But why not someone like him? He's out of it now. Why doesn't he be like, I had this, you know, actual experience in the military and this is what made me realize there's a weird missing, there's missing pieces yeah, to explain course. what it is about, why these people are anti-war it's like you just sort of have to trust them that they're just saying that they're anti-war um but it's, it's not like a ray mcgovern or john kiriakou it's someone who clearly is covering for the entity that is is the deep state and that's what's just so funny to launder him well that's around why it's these like circles who is he working for now does he not say because he's still working i mean I, I just think it's, you do have to ask the question, is he actually still working for the CIA? And is that why he sort of smirks and won't answer the question? Because why doesn't he just say, why can't you say who you're working for? If I mean, maybe it is the CIA. It's just odd that he literally has had this problem come up multiple times where he has been pressed on who employs him and he can't answer it. And I just had to mention that again, because that is alone is just strange. And I went back through his Twitter feed and not only is he seemingly very pro-Israel, you know, which is not a surprise uh, for a guy who's fought in all these like, you know, neocon wars for the last 20 years, but he's actually like pro like anti-BDS laws to the point where he was like saying that a Portland pro-Palestine like speaking um like night where like people were speaking like pro-Palestinian speakers should be illegal. <laughs> and that's the th kind of things he still has on his Twitter feed. Um, I'm not really sure how this guy could be even construed as a libertarian or an anti-war ally, but I guess he is saying that we should draw down in Ukraine now, which is is, is that something... all it takes though? Like I do think because it's, to sadly, me Abby, that yes. would discredit 
any member of the squad, like just the position on Palestine for members of Congress would discredit them to people who normally would be smarter. That's what you would think. But I, I do think that these people are being funneled in. They're being put into these. It's like someone is being like, hey, interview this guy. Uh, like, give this guy a shot. Like there's some, there are some, there's some whispering going on in ears. Otherwise it doesn't make sense based on what you're saying. Like what you're saying. Yeah. Like why aren't these people being like, yeah, this guy's like fucking a Zionist. He's, you know, he's, um, he's saying we should buy it, basically violate the first amendment, not let people criticize Israel. He's very, very hawkish against China. He seems like extremely obsessed with China to the point where he does seem like he wants war with China. But I do think there's, there's something else going on behind the scenes. Because otherwise, just looking at it from the outside in, it doesn't make sense why someone like Blake Masters would get endorsed by even someone like Dave Smith, like who I, you know, I have some respect for, but, you know, he's not the smartest guy in the world, but it does seem a little strange that it does seem like there's something happening. And obviously there's a lot of money coming into this from Peter Thiel, which probably explains a great deal of it. But I think there's other things happening that we just can't see. So it just makes it more confusing. I mean... I, I do think that has to be what's going on because otherwise you're right. There is nothing you can even grasp onto and be like, oh, I got it. Now I understand why this guy is appealing to the anti-war crowd. Like there's not, there is nothing like that. Right, right. For Blake Masters especially, but Joe Kent, I mean, there's really nothing. Like he, so I heard strange. him when, the, when, the, when Russia first invaded Ukraine, he went on, I don't know if it was Tucker, but he went on somewhere and said that basically saying that Biden was a pussy for letting this happen or not doing more <laughs> and that we should just send in a bunch of mad dog U.S. Air Force pilots in there to just start shooting down Russian planes. He straight up said that on TV. And, and wow. then So now to see him now as being like propped up as this, you know, and that guy was who's, it's a just, year ago, dude, like less than a year ago. Oh, yeah. It was like in May or something. Yeah. Oh, my God. So it just... It is, when I say something else is going on, I like, I really mean that. I'm not trying to allege there's like a conspiracy or a network, but there's something happening behind the scenes where these candidates or these people are being like shoved into other people's circles or funneled in and being like, you need to interview this guy or prop this guy up for whatever reason. I don't know, but it's, that's what's going on. So, and so, well, in some the same form. purpose of Tulsi. I mean, I, just, yeah. you know, Aaron. And I saw you and Aaron had like a disagreement about Tulsi's role and Aaron Good, um, friend of the podcast, mm -hmm. who I did the art cover for his excellent book. Um, it, he was saying that Tulsi is just basically like a footnote, you know, because she barely won any delegates. She only won like what one delegate from Samoa or whatever. And who cares? But I mean, I, I do think that that the elections were her starting point. Like that's where her, yeah. the op started and look and at her legitimized now. I mean, her she seriousness has, too. Right. And now she has this kind of cred that she's been able to run with since the election where, you know, leaving the democratic party, all these publicity stunts, the whole podcast shift that now it's like, she, I mean, she's claiming it's like one of the number one podcasts in the country. Um, so that is a, that's an, a large amount of influence, you know, that's not a footnote and whatever op she's running to funnel these people into or launder them into like anti-war circles, MAGAism under the guise of anti-establishmentism, that's the this, this same circle of the people that she's been endorsing that we're talking about right now. It's all the same operation. 
Yeah. And there's and a lot of and money when I, there. And when we, yeah, when we or you were saying operation, yeah, it we're mostly just talking about money moves right. things. And somehow these people are being moved into areas where they normally would be, like these areas would be like put an electric fence around them and be like, we're not letting anyone in here unless you sort of, you know, pass a few basic, you know, you take this questionnaire and if you fail to many of them, like, yeah, you're, you're, we're not going to like promote you. But there's something, there's somehow those, it's like they're being shoved in and money does move things. So like, I just, I almost like I'm looking at almost like a video game or something like, like a weird old Atari game. If I close my eyes and like imagine this very abstractly, the politics almost don't matter. It's like the more money that's in play, the more like artificial weird movements are going to happen. There's just more weight behind it. Like yeah. that's, it's like, it's almost just like basic mechanics in a weird right. way. It's what the well, LaRouche look- Packers have always been saying. I'd be about entropy. <laughs> <laughs> they were right. Yeah. Wait, was LaRouche the, um, I could be totally off base there, but were, was that the cult that when we looked at the website and it was all about like the new, um, the free energy stuff or is that what you're oh, talking yeah. about? Yeah. We used to smoke weed and watch their, like when you would come over sometimes we would watch their videos because yeah, they were yeah, extremely yeah. bizarre. Yeah. Cause we were super curious cause they've yeah. always been a staple, like a really, um, you know, a, a big controversial staple at a lot of like anti-war actions and stuff they the the obama with the hitler mustache all that shit and then we were like looking at their website to be like what are their actual beliefs and then it was all this weird scientology kind of type stuff yeah it was almost kind of a little bit like pseudo sciencey mm-hmm. it was all about physics and one thing i do know that they were really big advocates of and this someone reminded me of this uh, recently is that you know the idea that uh, all music is tuned at the A frequency yeah. of 440 hertz? Yeah. Like, I guess originally, like, that wasn't how standard music was tuned. It was, like, something like 430. I'm going to get the number wrong, but it wasn't 440. They made, LaRouche Pack made, like, a huge campaign about this for, like, years and years saying that, like, 440 was, like, some kind of, like, mind control. Mind control. Yeah, I Or, like, that. something that was, like deliberately trying to harm you and like this was like the pro like the other one was like the one that's like harmonious and like yeah so like they politicized the like because <laughs> like a lot of people there are some advocates for the old tuning that are just like yeah check this out it's like this is the way music was used to be tuned like you should check it out like but no it's like they actually like put like all this heaviness behind it's a British it conspiracy. Yeah. I want to go. I, I know that you briefly talked about LaRouche in your last podcast. I do still really want to do a deep dive on them. Oh, we got um, to. Yeah. Because it's just becoming cartoonish. Like the fact that they're reinserting themselves into, you know, the movements, quote unquote, in a bizarre way. And I, I think it is relevant to just kind of dig into who Lyndon LaRouche is and how, you know, what kind of disruptions they've intentionally made in a fed like fashion throughout the decades. Um, and it's very interesting, actually. It's a, it's a very interesting deep dive that we should do at some point, but absolutely. Well, could we go into DeSantis? What, well, just DeSantis and Trump. Oh yeah. No, let's wrap this up by talking about the whole DeSantis Trump feud and, and everything that you think about it. Well, I, I think we missed an opportunity earlier, but I'll just mention this really quickly is that, Candace Owens did like a half hour segment of her show a couple days ago that was basically a very butthurt rant about how Trump essentially had has turned on her 
and was extremely rude to her the last time she saw him because he misunderstood something that she said that got reported on in the Daily Beast. So if that didn't make any sense, it's because it does make very little sense. But this was something that seemed like almost like a little bit of a dam-breaking moment where she basically revealed what we already know is that like all these Trump people are like this weird network of like weirdos. And like Candace Owens heard through the grapevine that people around him playing golf golf were like, Hey, did you read this Daily Beast article? Aren't you gonna like you gotta you gotta throw her under the bus? Like fuck. What her. was it? What what did she say? She was basically saying that like a bunch of Republicans do not like Trump's anti or like pro vaccine stance. Oh, okay, yeah. But that's just a fact. Like that's right. not so like that's kind of it was actually kind of almost sad to watch her. It's like the only time I almost felt a little bit sad for her ever, because it was like she was she it was almost like she was so, you know, this ladder climber so hard, so loyal to Trump that she tried as hard as she could and it's just still wasn't enough. And this misunderstanding caused him to basically treat her like shit. And she was really hurt by it. And it's just so funny. Cause like, doesn't he do that to everyone eventually? Like who has he not? Well, it's so funny. Does he just have to have around him? I mean, this is, I'm answering my own question here because it's Trump, but it's like, <laughs> like he can't have any, any real statements, like any factual analysis no, no, no. about objective reality. He has to be surrounded by like complete pathetic lackey. Yes, men. And the fact that he read like stuff in the news and just like believed it without actually going directly to like the source. Cause it's like, that's something that he also was said to have done a lot in office to his own associates. He would like call them and be like, why'd you, you know, why are you saying this about me? Or, you know, why did you do this or whatever? And they'd be like, that's not true. Like true. That was in like the, the news got it wrong. And he, so he would often act on, impulsively just things he would because he would read the news all the time to like see who what people are saying about him mm-hmm. and he would just automatically believe anything so it's like a it that's probably like part of what just caused him to just burn through so many people it's like how do you have a relationship like that with someone they're just going to turn on you you know just if the press is gunning for you and they're trying to find any opportunity to like turn you know to, to cause infighting or whatever um but i mean I guess the the most interesting thing that happened with Trump recently is he finally started going after Ron DeSantis. Like finally, after this much time has passed, Ron De Sanctimonious. Yeah, Ron De Sanctimonious. He called him, which was like, oh, that's that's kind of actually a weak. That's not as good as <laughs> Rubio the robot. That's not as good as Lower Energy Jeb. Uh, that's not as good as Jeb is a mess. That's not as good as any of those things he said before. Um, Lion Ted. Uh, but it's it opened the door, right? It was like it was something. And it was like, okay, something's gonna happen here. Because and it was almost like he was preempting like I think Trump maybe was a little bit smart and he knew that the red wave was not gonna come, maybe, but also maybe knew that Ron DeSantis had it in the bag. And then almost like realized that what that meant is that Ron DeSantis could then just, you know, is gonna run for president and that people might even blame Trump for the red wave failing. So, I mean, I don't know, that's kind of ascribing Trump as a 40 chess player, but I thought he kind of did it at the perfect time. But then like after the red wave started to show that it was not real, uh, he literally, he like went for the jugular. 
it was pretty wild actually to see what he said. I thought, I swear to God, Abby, I thought this was fake. He said he straight up threatened to reveal, this is the New York Times headline, unflattering information about DeSantis if he runs. <laughs> and so when I read this, I was like, okay, what kind of shit was he talking about? Um, let's see. But this is literally what Trump said. If he did run, I will tell you things about him that won't be very flattering. I know more about him than anybody other than perhaps his wife, who is really running his campaign. So I guess you can read that multiple ways, but almost to me it seems like what is Trump insinuating there that he's cheated on his wife, that he's done some unsavory sexual things? There's an insinuation there. I don't know if are you picking up on that or Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he says <laughs> and he's and it's a, it's essentially wrapped in a threat too because yeah, he's like yeah, yeah. he's like if he runs, he could hurt himself very badly. I really believe he could hurt himself very badly. That's what he said. I think he would be making a mistake. And I don't think it'd be good for the party. And he's like, any of that stuff is not good. If he runs, he runs. And then that's when he's like, I will tell you, <laughs> like, I will basically ruin his campaign by revealing personal <laughs> sexual depravity. That is amazing. It's insane. I mean, it's insane. There really is nobody quite like Trump. I know. So. I know. I mean, the thing about this whole Trump versus DeSantis thing is like, it's going to be one of them. Yeah, they might take votes from each other, but at the end of the day, one of them is going to be the nominee and they're probably going to fucking win. And so, I mean, the whole peeling votes away from each other, it's not really going to help the inevitability of President DeSantis or Trump again. And um, that's a pretty scary notion. I mean, either way, it's going to be scary. The DeSantis thing's going to be scary because he's a dyed-in-the-wool neocon, as we've talked about. He's, like, just so bad. You know, he wants regime change all across Latin America. He's just super anti-communist. He hates Palestine. There's so many horrible things about him. Constantly talking about China, passing Constantly laws, talking about condemning China. China the the in whole Florida. CRT, the Chris Rufio, spooky Rufio the CRT scare, he's the abortion ban. It's like really scary. But then Trump is this cult leader who, you know, I mean, he has the capacity to harness energy in a way that I haven't seen any other Republican mimic. So it's going to be true. A disturbing road ahead either way. But, um, can you it's, really, it's so funny though, to see Trump doing this. Can you really see Trump running again though? For seriously? I like, mean, why is he stumping for all the, why is he putting so much energy in at, trying to be this kingmaker? Like what, why is he doing this? He's 70, what is he? 75, 76 years old. It's like, dude, just, you already were president. You know, half the country still thinks that you are like the legit president. It's like, dude, just like walk away, retire, do whatever the fuck you want. Did you really want to run again? Do you really want to be president again? I don't know if it's complete ego and nothing else, but it does seem like he very badly just wants to be politically relevant again. And that's why he's investing so much energy at all these campaign events. And I don't know, man. I mean, I, I at first I thought he wasn't going to run again, but now he keeps saying he has big news on November 15th. So we'll see. Yeah, it's kind of fascinating because, yeah, you, you would have to wonder, like, is he just wanting to get the credit for getting his MAGA candidates in office? Because that's not, I mean, how satisfying can that really be for right. him? He doesn't really give a fuck, you know? Like, right. he, uh, he just wants the 
ego boost from it. I mean, yeah, so it does it. I, I, I can see it. I just don't, I, I do feel like he did take a hit though, in terms mm-hmm. of his cult base. Um, and the fact that he is pro vaccine is going to be a problem for him because the rhetoric of the Republican party, like, or at least like the Tucker Carlson, you know, whole realm did sort of latch onto all that stuff. And I don't know, but I mean, he, I think him versus DeSantis, he, he would obliterate him like mm-hmm. in a, in a match. So I kind of want to see it, but it also, DeSantis will be basically how everybody feared Trump was going to be, but worse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He will be the actual, that version of Trump, plus like a neocon program. I mean, so talk about like circling back from 9-11. I mean, the other shoe dropping, you know, that I could, I literally could see Ron DeSantis ushering in like legitimate fascism in in a form like we've never seen before in this country that would like make the Bush administration actually not seem very scary. So, and 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 top of that, escalating wars in a way that is even worse than what's happening now, much worse. Um, that's a very dark place to go into. You know, at least Trump is such a wild card in a and a fucking narcissist that he's always fucking it up. And, you know, that is better than a DeSantis in my opinion. Uh, but I guess other is calculated. Yeah, no, he's a programmer, but there are other people, I guess, who think that Trump is still so dangerous that we have to get DeSantis in. There's even a guy who's (laughs) like running for the like war and peace party right now. And it was like a third party candidate who said like Democrats for DeSantis. I don't know if you saw this. Excuse me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and also Bill Crystal's whole, you know, clique of people, David French, a lot of these like weird sort of liberal acting neo classic neocons, they are ba- are are starting to basically say that DeSantis is like the way to save the Republican Party, and that's in their mind they're starting to push that now. So I think we're already starting to see that that, you know, I call it a realignment. It is a realignment, but it's back to the old alignment almost. It's just. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and this um, time it's pulled in all the libertarians. It's manifested because the COVID thing is such a runaway train. Yeah, and the DeSantis lockdown has really stuff. put his. You know, yeah. I mean, he's he's basically been the leader of all that. Plus, when you couple in all the CRT hysteria, the anti-trans stuff, I mean, DeSantis is really this kind of ideological leader uh, in that realm, which is Trump cannot say the same. No, and it's also Trump did not like pass. I think he passed like one anti-trans type legislation. No, he passed many, but oh, it he was, did. But this is like, but what DeSantis is doing is like capturing the entire country. Absolutely, and it's also, it's like shadow boxing. It's it's like feeding into this delusion to the point now where you do have to wonder if all these libertarians are supporting him. They've obviously already looked past the foreign policy stuff, which is already surprising, but. They, are, they must be just so reactionary that they don't understand that he's literally taking away people's rights by saying that a teacher cannot talk about their sexual orientation. Like, that's like a violation of someone's like First Amendment rights, really. I mean, yeah, it's a public school, which I guess libertarians are already against. But since they exist, it's like you would think a libertarian would be like, that's a violation of the First Amendment. 
but instead they're like, no, that's like grooming kids. Like that seems like by just not, by just going along with this, it basically does seem like most of them have just been completely pulled into this weird imaginary anti-woke, you know, world of, of thinking that there's grooming happening at all these schools, because that's what, you know, I guess exposing a child to the idea of a gay person is doing. I mean, I don't know. It's so, it's, it's crazy, Robbie. I mean, I've never, I've never been more uninspired and I've never been less politically engaged in terms of like the day-to-day news. It's, it's just very strange the way everything's unraveling and on the opposite side, how everything is coalescing together in terms of like weird ideological, um, unholy alliances that I just never thought that I'd see. It's in a way it makes me nostalgic for like Occupy, but at the same time it doesn't. <laughs> um, cause I've learned so much since then, but it's also just like very scary to see where we're headed because both parties just continue to dig their heels in and it's, it's, I mean the Bush administration. Yeah. Like you said, like a DeSantis administration, when you're taking in all of the Trump hysteria, the emboldening of like the, not even crypto fascists, like emboldening of actually like fascists to come out of the shadows. And then you bring that into neoconservatism and a whole new war path. Um, it, that is, I mean, that is what a, the fuck are we doing here? Well, that's just basically throwing like a match into like a room full of gasoline basically, because can you imagine if someone like Ron DeSantis was president and we had something like another 9-11 no. happen here or like a cyber attack that was blamed on China or even another thing like COVID that was like, oh, China did it again. Right. I really do think, I really do think that there's a very real possibility of a, a war with China. And by that, I don't mean like an all out ground war. We haven't done that with Russia yet, but look what situation mm-hmm, we're in. Mm-hmm. If you're in the Soviet Union, that didn't happen. But proxy wars and sort of cold wars and escalations of of adversaries, I mean, that, that can get really bad. And I, I do think there's someone, there are clearly a lot of forces trying to do that with China uh, in this country right now. And the amount of money being that's backing that is really alarming too. I mean, even just that the fact that the Epoch Times, you know, is being distributed in people's mailboxes and they act like they're part of the alternative media and then and libertarians endorse them too. I mean, the whole Brownstone Institute, um, that guy Jeffrey Tucker, who I think runs the Brownstone Institute, he's a regular, he's a he's an actual like contributor to the Epoch Times. Like he's in every single issue. So it's very strange what's happening. I don't know if this is like Cato, you know, or like, you know, how Cato Institute's like, oh, they're like a Koch or mm-hmm, Koch mm-hmm, Brothers Coke. front or whatever. I mean, maybe this is the Koch brother. You know, it's like, the, maybe it's just the old enemy is the same one it's always been. It's like these weird guys who use things like canards or frameworks like libertarianism to fool people into basically like endorsing horrible things by just throwing tons of money at all these different media apparatuses to basically, uh, you know, brainwash people slowly into voting against their own interests, like, like people have always done, you know, but it's just, again, $16 billion, 16 billion. And it's harder to see through 
it's it's harder to like uncover all the layers now because of how much money we're talking about. I mean, it's it's unfathomable. Like, I don't know how deep the operation goes when you're talking about sixteen billion dollars because it's something that is just an undescribable, uncomprehensible amount of money, and how much that could buy. And I would also say that's probably the tip of the iceberg if you're actually looking at the entire apparatus that's that's actually helps get people elected including all the media employees including all the people who are like bought off and influence and part of these influencing campaigns there's probably so much more money than that and given that there's it's gone from 1 billion to 16 billion i mean i would say i i wouldn't even be surprised if the actual amount of money spent on this midterm election was somewhere more in like the 50 billion dollar range I mean, it wouldn't. I, I don't even think it would surprise me if I saw something like that written down, with all the different ways the money was spent. Would that surprise you? At this point, no. I mean, because money is just like such a meaningless thing now. It's like when you live in an oligarchy and things are escalating at such a rapid pace. It's like it it, it becomes so desensitizing. Mm-hmm. You know, like when someone like Elon Musk can just come and buy Twitter for forty four billion dollars, and it's like I don't I don't even understand what is happening like what is going on like how who is this fucking person i mean the next podcast we obviously have to talk about the whole the whole uh elon musk twitter thing because there's so much to talk about there and i really want to go into it but yeah i mean um nothing surprises me anymore let's just say that can we end this podcast with donald trump's last uh um statement against ron DeSantis? please that he posted tonight um, statement by Donald J. Trump, 45th president of the United States of America. This is from Truth Social, uh, his own social media work. He says, News Corp, which is Fox, the Wall Street Journal, and the no longer great New York Post is all in for Governor Ron DeSanctimonious, an average Republican governor with great public relations who didn't have to close up his state, but did, unlike other Republican governors, whose Overall numbers for a Republican were just average, middle of the pack, including COVID, and who has the advantage of sunshine, where people from badly run states up north would go no matter who the governor was, just like I did. (laughs) Ron came to me in desperate shape in 2017. He was politically dead, losing in a landslide to a very good agriculture commissioner, Adam Putnam, who was loaded up with cash and great poll numbers. Ron had low approval, bad polls, and no money, but he said that if I would endorse him, he could win. I didn't know Adam, so I said, let's give it a shot, Ron. When I endorsed him, it was as though, to use a bad term, a nuclear weapon went off. Years later, they were the exact words that Adam Putnam used in describing Ron's endorsement. He said, I went from having it made with no competition to immediately getting absolutely clobbered after your endorsement. I then got Ron by the star of the Democrat Party, Andrew Gillum, who was later revealed to be a, quote, crackhead, unquote. (laughs) This almost seems like a Norm MacDonald. (laughs) By having two massive rallies with tens of thousands of people at each one. I also fixed his campaign, which had completely fallen apart. (laughs) I rigged it. I was all in for Ron, and he beat Gillum. But after that race... When votes were being stolen by the corrupt election process in Broward County and Ron was going ten, going down 10,000 votes a day, I sent in the FBI and the U.S. attorneys and the ballot theft immediately ended. What is Trump saying there that he actually sent in the FBI to 
monitor the uh, the, the election that actually won Ron DeSantis' election. That's, That's an interesting so crazy. admission. And the ballot theft immediately ended. Just prior to them running out of the votes necessary to win, I stopped his election from being stolen. What a weird... That's a very hell? interesting thing to say. And now Rhonda Sanctimonious is playing games. The fake news asks him if he's going to run if President Trump runs. And he says, I'm only focused on the governor's race. I'm not looking into the future. Well, in terms of loyalty and class, that's really not the right answer. When Fox wow. News fought me to the end until I won, and then they couldn't have been nicer or more supportive. The Wall Street Journal loved low-energy Jeb Bush and a succession of other people as they rapidly disappeared from sight, finally falling in line with me after I easily knocked them out one by one. We're in exactly the same position now. They will keep coming after us, MAGA, but ultimately we will win. Put America first and make America great again. Very Whoa. strange rant. First of all, I didn't know Truth Social just was like giant Facebook rants. Oh, like, yeah. I thought it was like similar to Twitter where you had some sort of confinement i think because trump owns it maybe maybe he just posts maybe these are just like news posts <laughs> it's just giant press releases yeah. of his crazy uh mental like, spirals like your splash page when you go to <laughs> truth social is just trump's gigantic rant <laughs> with all the rest of the posts underneath i mean that's what's so crazy that like there's so much there but what I, the main takeaway to me is just like i'm running i mean unless this is all just a mind fuck it's really it's with him who knows you know yeah, I mean, and he could really throw a wrench into the... I mean, if let's just say he just was mad that Ron DeSantis was even running at all. What if he just, like, just goes in and just fucks it up? Right. Right. Just because Ron DeSantis wasn't, like, totally um, servile to him, he's just going to be like, you know what? I am going to run again. That's, like, the like the deciding factor for Trump to jump in the race finally. He's like, you know what? Fuck you. Yeah. It's unbelievable, man. <sighs> Well, we'll we'll know in a couple of days, Robbie. I mean, yeah, the fifteenth. Yeah, that's what okay, he said. Well, set your calendars and your your yeah. Put on your calendar. Put on your calendar. Put an alarm on. Yeah. Um. And yeah, we'll know. What's crazy is all those people that we just talked about the the Thiel candidates and Lori Lake and all those people, or Carrie Lake. Sorry. Um. <laughs> all those people are still neck and neck. Lauren Boebert. So a lot, a lot has yet to be decided. A lot of rigging to be done. Um, so time will tell. So we'll have to follow up, Robbie, in a week or so and um, give an update on that and then, you know, talk about this whole Elon Musk insanity too. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I look forward to doing that with you, Abby. And yeah, it was good to have you back. And for everybody listening out there, um, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash media roots radio uh, for as little as $5 a month. You get access to um, at least one bonus episode. And recently we've been locking a little bit more than usual of the episode. So there's quite a bit of content on there that you'll get access to immediately uh, once you subscribe. So thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks so much, Robbie. It was really fun to talk to you again. Looking forward to the yeah, next one. It was fun as fuck. Yeah.